Welcome to the Interns Hope Church Run the Podcast. I'm Jesse Brumfield. And I'm Isaac Little. We are two Americans living on mission in Wales. And we're uh, both inviting you guys to uh, walk with us as we talk about what it is and what it looks like to be life on mission in another country. Welcome back to Hope Church Rhonda podcasting. I don't <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. The Entrance right. Podcast. The Entrance Podcast, yes. Recording in person. Mm-hmm. Live. In real life. Socially distanced. Yes, but we are all six room. feet apart mm-hmm. in the church building. With three different microphones. Which which means what? Who came back to Wales? Jesse. <laughs> Jesse. <laughs> we've been we've been on a little hiatus. It's been a month, maybe six weeks. Maybe more. Yeah, unintended hiatus, but here we are. And we have maybe like the best guest ever. Special guest. Special guest. Ben Franks with us. Hello. Which is very exciting. Very, very exciting. We thought about doing like the first episode back would just be me and Isaac, but we felt like that might be a little too boring. (laughs) So (laughs) we feel like our listeners have maybe had enough of us. No pressure, no pressure. Um, so yeah, tell us who you are, Ben. Tell us what you do, what's your role, all that. So uh, I am Ben Franks, and I am a pastor at Hope Church Ronda. And me and Lois, my wife, uh, planted the church. So yeah, it's good to be on the Interns Podcast. It's good to have interns, and it's good that you're podcasting. Yeah. And I'm glad you finally got rent. To sending me an invite. Yes. This, are you finding this strange to record in person? <laughs> I'm yeah. realizing we've only recorded or done interviews on Zoom, and like the fact that I'm actually looking you in your physical eyes feels very strange. I'm just thinking about how, like, you know, whenever you watch something like on YouTube or a video of someone doing um, a podcast, you still see their face, you know, and or they got the the ear things on and they're talking to each other. And so this is all a really... Is that where you're going, Isaac, with all this, is you want your production company to yes. shoot your podcast where you can be seen exactly, yes. on video um, whilst recording? Yeah. Three angles. Again, <laughs> Isaac feels that he does not have a, a, a face for radio. He wants to be on video too. <laughs> okay, so the theme of our podcast, as you well know, is generally calling, being on mission, what that looks like in different contexts for different people. Um, you are someone who has come to this area on mission. Absolutely. Um, but like where me and Isaac are here for what's not a short amount of time, but what's also not making our life here, you have moved here with your family to make your life here and to be here for the long haul. Yeah. So tell us, like we know this story, but I think it's a really cool story. Tell us how you and Lois originally felt called here. Yeah, so I very much see myself as a a missionary in the Rhonda. Um, Much like you guys, I've come from somewhere else. And even though I grew up in Cardiff, which is only 20 miles away, I feel like I'm in a different culture amongst Mm -hmm. the different people. Um, And so I I grew up in church all my life. I first went to church when I was two weeks old. And just to give you a picture of my... What's so funny? 
Two, two weeks old. I mean, that's your whole life. That I mean, is I all did, your I, life. I didn't walk in under my own steam, <laughs> right? But, uh, someone brought you there. Yeah, somebody brought me there, but I was in attendance. Um, I had a mark on the register. <laughs> um, Indoctrinated from an early age. Possibly, I don't know. Um, no, so I, I like the way I suppose the way I describe my upbringing is like just that I had. I look back now and I realize like I had just the most blessed upbringing like I had a secure family mm -hmm. that I lived in um, I've got got two brothers we had a great childhood together um, I went to a great school um, I had great friends in that school the school was on the other side of the road from the church and my friends in church went to the same school as mm -hmm. me and so I grew up just in a really uh, supportive environment and um, had loads of opportunities loved playing sport loved playing music um, and really didn't appreciate as a kid and as a teenager just how blessed and secure and safe and um, how well set I was for life, really, mm -hmm. because of the upbring that, upbringing that I'd had. Um, and I guess in terms of my Christian journey, I, I came to faith that, like, I, I can remember a time as, like, a six-year-old. I remember it very clearly that me and my... Uh, brother, my older brother, decided to swap rooms one night in the summer holidays and sleep in each other's beds. I don't know whether you did that, but once in a while we'd do that. And I remember lying in his bed one evening and the light was coming through the curtains and I couldn't sleep. And for whatever reason, even as like a young boy, I, 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 my, my, my mind was going and thinking about God. And I'd grown up in Sunday school, so I knew a bunch of stories. I knew that Jesus was the savior of the world and whatever. But I remember as a six-year-old kind of saying to God in that moment in my brother's bedroom, like, God, I know that I know all this stuff, but if you're real, I want to know you. And I think as a six-year-old, I, I don't really know how. I just know in that moment that I connected with God in some kind of real way. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess I had some kind of faith and but, but as, a, as a kid, you know, growing up in a sheltered, pretty sheltered and safe environment and in a good church and whatever, that was all I really knew. Um, but of course, when you hit teenage years, things begin to change a little bit. And I, as a 14 or 15 year old, it became more and more clear to me that like the, the direction that my friends' lives were going in mm -hmm. was very different to the direction that... Um, God would want my life to go in. Yeah. And I remember somebody shouting across the playground at me when I was in year nine, so I don't know, say um, 14 maybe. Mm -hmm. um, I remember somebody shouting across the playground at me, Ben, you Bible basher. Mm. And I guess that made me realize I had to decide whether God was really who he said he was yeah. and whether he was really worth following. And either he was who he said he was, Jesus really had risen from the grave and he was worth being shouted at in the, in the playground and, you know, worth my life and my energy and my time, my money and everything else. Or it was all a load of rubbish and yeah. I might as well just drop it all and go in the direction that all my friends were going in. Mm -hmm. And along with that, as a, as a teenager, I, um, I was into science and that kind of stuff. And so... I felt like I needed to know for sure that that God really could exist, that that He could, um, that I could believe in science and also believe in God. So, mm -hmm. so from when I was about fourteen to when I was about sixteen, I spent 
a load of time trying to figure that stuff out. Was God really real? Was, had Jesus really risen from the dead? Could the Bible be relied upon? Or did science just disprove it all? And came to the conclusion as a 15-year-old or 16-year-old that the Bible was true, Jesus was Lord, and therefore he was worthy of the whole of my life. Um, so I don't know whether I was saved as a six-year-old or whether I was saved as a 15-year-old, but what yeah. I know is that as a 15-year-old, I, I made that decision that mm -hmm. I was going to follow Jesus wherever he would call me, wherever he would send me, whatever he asked me to do. And the funny thing was that, that then for a couple of years, I would say, by the grace of God, God drew really close to me. And as part of that process, he revealed more of who he was to me, more of his love for me, and also then um, just impressed this sense of calling uh, for church planting in the Rhonda into my heart and into Lois's heart too. So um, the way that happens, it, it all started uh, one Sunday morning. We were, or I was, at church in uh, Cardiff where I grew up. I was in a big Baptist church. There was probably, I don't know, 350 people there, 70 people in the, the youth groups and, and, mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And um, a guy from the Rhonda Valley called Phil Davis came down to speak. And he runs a kind of a sports ministry in the Rhonda. And he came down on one Sunday morning to preach. And I can't remember anything that he said, except that he came armed with these three statistics. And uh, one was that at the time, this is 2004-ish, I think, at the time, the Rhonda had the highest suicide rate mm. in the UK. It had the highest teenage pregnancy rate in the UK, and the UK had the highest teenage pregnancy rate in Western Europe. So oh, wow. it, it was clearly not good. Um, and church attendance was 0.9%, so nine in a thousand people. Um, and the Rhonda at the time, I guess, was about 80,000 people, which meant only about 700 people were going to any church of any kind, wow. including cults, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, there were 700 people regularly going to church. And as a 16-year-old or whatever I was, sat in a big suburban Baptist church yeah. with my sorted life, in my sorted family, with my sorted friends and my sorted career plans and everything else, like those three stats just kicked me in the gut. And I couldn't really, I couldn't really even fathom it, you know. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, like, it just felt like the Holy Spirit had got our attention for this place called the Rhonda Valleys that was 20 miles from where I grew up, but was literally a different world. Um, along with that, Lois and I started dating, and it turned out that God was talking to her about similar things. Um, and at about the same time, I also had a, a really powerful encounter with God at like a, a youth Christian festival. Um, where I, I guess I just felt a sense of um, a deep sense of the love of God, a deep sense of my own sinfulness, but also a real sense of calling towards Christian ministry and church planting. And then the other thing that happened, and this is perhaps the weirdest part of the story, um, which might make some people feel a bit uncomfortable, but <laughs> I, I had like at the same, the same time, it was all happening in the same few months, I had this time where for three weeks I had this dream and um, it was black, a black background with white writing and it just said the word apostle. And I didn't really know what that was all about or what it was to do with until one 
Sunday in our church, um, my youth group were doing uh, a course on spiritual gifts. Yeah, so that word meant nothing to me until um, we were doing this spiritual gifts exercise with our kind of the teenagers in my youth group one Sunday morning. And basically, we had a bunch of descriptions of different gifts from the New Testament and a bunch of descriptions that they were to match up to. So, um, you know, administration would might be one and it had a description of what administration mm-hmm. went or, or prophecy and it had a description of what prophecy was. And anyway, I end up with um, looking for... The, we had them all laid out on the floor and we, I was looking for the gift of apostleship and I find this little description laid out on the floor. I pick it up and it just says like um, a gift from God to want to see new ministries started and churches pioneered in mm. places um, where there aren't any and, and a, a, a calling to kind of go across cultures to people that aren't like yourself to help them uh, receive the gospel or something like that. Mm. And it was like in that moment, the Holy Spirit just spoke into my heart, Ben, this is what I want you to do. Yeah. And I realized that using the word apostle or apostleship can kind of get people a bit uncomfortable, I'm not claiming to be one of the 12, <laughs> not claiming to have, have seen the risen Jesus. But I, I do think that the, the gift of being able to start churches and pioneer new ministry and reach people that are currently unreached uh, with the gospel is is a New Testament gift that, that yeah. the word apostle describes. And so um, as a 17-year-old, through those things and through Joshua 1 and, and some scriptures in Titus, I knew that I knew that I knew, and Lois knew that she knew that she knew that she knew as well, that God was calling us to get married eventually and to move to the Rhonda Valleys and to be involved in planning churches and hoping, hoping, hopefully seeing people one for Jesus um, from this valley that we love. And so that's how God called us. We went off to uni in two different places, which felt like a bit of a, t- a detour, but we picked up some team members along the way. And then we yeah. came back to South Wales. We got married. And um, it's a funny story. We tried and tried and tried to, uh, to move when we got married to the Rhonda. And God closed all the doors. So we ended up moving uh, to a place called Pontypridd, which is about uh, I don't know, seven or eight miles away. Yeah. And um, we were there for a year and a half. And we were going to church 45 minutes in one direction. And I was working 45 minutes in the other direction. And it wasn't particularly healthy or sustainable. But we went up to this uh, Students and Twenties conference in North Wales one uh one Easter, and um, there was a guy called PJ Smythe who was speaking at it, who's now a good friend of ours, and he um, he was speaking one night on the urgency of the mission of the gospel, and Lois and I had this sense of calling and desire in our hearts to move to the Ronda and plant churches, and PJ was preaching, and we just turned to one another at the end of this preach, and we, Lois and I looked at each other and said, now God is calling us to be urgent with mm-hmm. this thing that we, we feel called to. And so I text the pastor of the church that we had grown up in, in in Cardiff that same day. And I said, hey, can we get together sometime and talk about church planting in the Ronda? We think God's telling us to get urgent about it. And he texted me back and he said, you'll never guess what. Somebody offered me a building for a church plant in Tonopandi in the Ronda this morning. Do you want it? And 
at that point, we knew that this wasn't just some made-up dream. It wasn't some, you know, we had too much cheese the night before and it <laughs> kind of like we'd fabricated it. But like this was God's call on our lives and he was calling yeah. us to get on with it. And so we moved Lois's business into Tonopandi. We bought a house in Tonopandi and within six months at that point, we were living here and starting to gather a team and trying to make some connections in the in the town. So yeah, that's our story. What were you doing along the way to prepare yourself to plant a church or to pastor a church? That's a really good question. Um, so I, I think so. When I was in when I was in high school, I mean, the first thing I did when I felt this sense of calling around this word apostleship was read the New Testament and just make a load of notes about the kind mm -hmm. of things apostles did. It's a good place to start, right? Yeah. In the Bible, yeah. Um, and actually, we were like, I see now that God was preparing us even from back then. So as a 16-year-old, uh, Lois and I ended up leading our youth small group, which was a great place to start to learn some leadership skills. Um, we set up a, like a, a citywide prayer meeting, praying for Wales and praying for the Rhonda when we were um, in our last couple of years of high school and got some great support from uh, the leaders of the church to help us with that, which was just, you know, when when somebody believes in you at a young age and says, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm cheering you on and believing in what God's calling you to. It's massive. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of like high school. I then took two gap years because um, I really wanted to be doing church ministry and not uh, going to uni. Um, and so I spent some time in Heartland in the States where Isaac's from. Um, but eventually I ended up helping my friend Di Hanke plant a church mm -hmm. in uh, a place called Pontypool. So that's another part of the Welsh Valleys. Um, and I had the amazing privilege of being part of their church for a year. And I think I was the first person not in Di's family to be part of the church. So mm -hmm. we were like four people in his living room when I first started <laughs> helping. And I used to go up a couple of days a week. We used to walk the streets of this council estate. We used to pray together. We used to talk church together. He used to challenge me and mentor me and encourage me on. Um, and then the Sunday that um, we'd gathered enough people to launch the church into a community center was the very same day I had to travel to uh, university or college which was three hours away. So I literally went to the service in the morning with my, my car packed up with all of the stuff <laughs> for going to college. We did church, like I said goodbye to everybody, and then I traveled down to college in Southampton where I studied physics. But whilst I was there, um, I uh, ended up leading the CU, the Christian Union, which mm -hmm. is, I guess you'd call it college camp campus fellowship or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and it was... It was a it was a big CU um, doing lots and lots of stuff uh, on the campus to reach people for Jesus, and I think I learned a lot about leadership whilst being there. Um, and so those were some of the things that were going on when I finished uni. I came home. We carried on with Die, um, mm -hmm. and really just like being in a local church that was doing what we wanted to do was just the best learning experience we could have asked for. Yeah. When we arrived here, I started doing some training with. Um, New Frontiers, which is the wider network of churches we're part of, um, with a guy called Andrew Wilson. So I did that mm -hmm. for two years, which um, really helped. Um, and yeah, I've been learning on the job ever since. Yeah. And you mentioned um, your physics degree. So we know that pastoring Hope is not your only role. You have many roles. Um, 
So this is a question that I feel like interviewers ask women all the time, and I kind of hate when interviewers <laughs> ask women. But like, I am really interested in like in how you juggle or balance or whatever you want to call it. Like you pastor Hope Church, you yeah. and Lois own a business. Yeah. You still play a role in your dad's business. Yeah. And you're a husband and a father. Am I missing? Am I missing That's anything enough. major? <laughs> Man, I feel exhausted just you telling it back to me. <laughs> like it's a it's a lot. It's an yeah. enormous amount. And like yeah. how can one person and like you know, you are standing and like have energy. <laughs> you don't even drink coffee. So, um, yeah, to like just talk about that and tell us more. Yeah, I mean, um, I think we realized very quickly that if we were going to plant a church or churches in the Rhonda Valleys, um, that that we were probably going to need to self-finance ourselves to do that, at least to a point and at least in the early years. And actually, I love... I just love, I, I don't know how we, we arrived there, but we got to a point where we really loved and had real clarity on the idea of doing bivocational ministry. Mm -hmm. And I'll let Lois tell the story of how she set up her business because that's her story to tell. But um, yeah, we've, we've been running a marketing company and doing the church stuff. And then I've had different roles in my dad's business as we've kind of juggled what different parts of our lives have, have required in terms of time. Um, I'm not going to lie, there's times when it's very, very busy mm -hmm. <laughs> and it is a juggling act. I mean, at the moment, I, um, by the grace of God, I, I work a couple of days a month in my secular roles and basically then can give all of my time to the church uh, for the rest of the time. Uh, but it hasn't always been like that. And there's some times where I've had to work harder and do less for church and different things. Um, and then we throw in two little boys um, yeah. who take up a lot of energy but what are the also cutest little boys in the world? provide us with a lot of fun and a lot of memories and stuff um, I don't know that I have a, like a, an absolute answer or absolute mm -hmm. strategy of how we manage it I think we trust God mm -hmm. for that he gives us the time that we need for all those different parts of our lives we recognize that in our life at least every week is different mm -hmm. and we just have to flex and go with the flow yeah. and trust God and learn to say no to certain things. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that is kind of how we navigate through. And um, it takes discipline. It takes good communication mm -hmm. and, not, and sometimes saying sorry when we've, mm -hmm. you know, burnt the candle at both ends yeah. and, and Lois isn't getting the attention or the boys aren't getting the attention they deserve yeah. and those sorts of things. But um I enjoy it and I also find that having a a little focus outside of Hope Church life is, mm -hmm. is really healthy. I think um, Craig Rochelle once said that on a podcast on leadership that he, he found that, the, that a lot of the best and most healthy leaders, they were spending 10% of their time doing something different. Mm -hmm. And I've just found that that personally has been quite helpful to me to be able yeah. to lift my head outside of what we're doing and go and have a slightly different challenge. That's good. So yeah, don't know about that. Sorry, Isaac. I feel like I might be dominating the question time. Do you, I don't. Want to... You're fine. Okay. I, I was wondering. Um, one of the questions is when did interns come into mind and pop up on your radar when it comes to um, manpower? You know, you've been praying for people. Um, yeah. So I remember when you asked Simon a pretty similar question, and his response was very tactful and very. Um, Godly, he was like, we really wanted to find some people to invest in. 
And I was like, it made me chuckle because he probably was thinking that. <laughs> and I was probably thinking like, we're about to run into a brick wall of having too much to do and not enough people to do it. Where can we get some cheap labor from? <laughs> <laughs> These so, gullible Americans, no. that's where. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't quite like that. But um, I mean, yeah, we're in, a, we're in an interesting season where the opportunities that we have for the kingdom of God are absolutely enormous. And yet we have a limited amount of resources and we pray regularly that, that the Lord of the harvest would raise up workers. And I think we were, we were walking towards a second congregation or second site, which is a different story probably for a different day. Um, but I, I think I was just aware that like, we could do with more support mm -hmm. and, and could do with more pairs of hands on the ground. Um, and, and then the, the other part of it is just like, I remember as an 18 year old going out to Heartland and spending six months in Indiana and just what a helpful and formative that experience that was. And, and the same with, with, with Di and Michelle in Hill City when I was there, like, um, you learn so much and you grow so quickly when you're outside of your normal environment mm -hmm. and um, you're, you, you're getting your hands dirty and, you know, getting on with, mm -hmm. with ministry life. And um, I just think it's great to be able to, to journey on that journey with people mm -hmm. and particularly you guys. Um, so that's probably how the intern thing came about in my head, at least. One of the things that I would say that you have passed on is uh, I use a diary now to just know uh, where I'm putting things or, you know. Tell the Americans uh, what a diary guys. is. Yes, it's a, it's a calendar, uh, <laughs> like a, a book where you put in all your to-do lists. And a planner, if a you will. planner, there you go, yeah. So I'd never used one before, and, yeah. and that's one of the first things that Ben said is like, you don't have a, you don't have a planner, a diary? <laughs> you should get one. <laughs> I hope that you you go home with richer <laughs> take homes than just I bought a diary. I'm just thinking of like, oh man, <laughs> God help us. <laughs> I told Simon the other day the only thing that I've learned from living with you is that you are obsessed with Lucy. Like that's what I that's what I've learned. And he's like, oh, good. That's a good thing. <laughs> It would be really disappointing if it was the other way around yeah. and he really wasn't that's, that into her. That's true. That's so, true. Praise God. Yeah. That's a good lesson learned, though, Isaac. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was just thinking about how the, asking how do, you, how do you do it all, you know, the, the different hats that you wear as a pastor, a father, a teacher, you know, um, a preacher, just everything when you're traveling around and working with advanced, you know, the network that – that you're affiliated with in Hope Church, like all of those things, talking with those leaders and, and you know, you have your spiritual fathers who are speaking life into your, you and yeah. you're doing your own studies, you're reading your own books yeah. and you're studying the word outside of studying it for the sermon Yeah, yeah. on top of all that. And so yeah. I, I, I was just thinking about the, the regularly um, like habits that you do. You're like, all right, um, you pull out your phone and you write the immediate list of things that we need to do right now yeah. uh, to 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 get it done. All the uh, yeah, it takes some some organization and uh, some to do lists and whatever. But um, yeah, God gives grace, right? And He builds yeah. capacity over time. I couldn't do everything I'm doing now yeah. five years ago. Um, 
And I think as well, this thing which we're probably going to talk about of, you know, working out what's the contribution that God's calling me to make and what, mm. what is the contribution that he's asking me to build teams yeah. to, to effectively do um, has been something I've been learning to do. In the, in the early days, like me and Lois just did everything and church planting it was ron allen actually that used to say to me like being a a church planter is like being a jack of all trades and master mm -hmm. of none like you don't really get to do anything particularly well you just have to do everything all the time and um we've been through those seasons but but i think now i'm learning that we can build team particularly as we're doing two congregations yeah. we need to develop other leaders we need to bring people in from the outside we need to raise up people from within we need to find people's fit in the team and also with me, with my slightly controlling personality, I need to let some things go and give some things away. Yeah. Even though naturally I still want to know what's going on and how things are being done. Yeah. Well, Ben, I think that's a perfect little segue <laughs> into talking about what's next yeah. for Hope and um, a couple of new interns that are starting. So me and Isaac are no longer the only interns. Um, but we did, we're going as a church through um, a theology course, this advanced theology course, yeah. and, and on Sunday night we chatted about just that. What are your unique contributions? What is the stuff that each of us individually need to give our attention to? And, and what are the things that we need to let go of or to yeah. delegate? And you said that, and correct me if I, um, like restate this <laughs> in, incorrectly, but, uh, that like church planting is that thing for you, that that's yeah, yeah. what your unique contribution is. And you're starting a church planting residency and we'll have a church planting resident here with yeah. us for two years. Yeah. So um, just tell us about that residency, what the goal is. Yeah. So yeah, just to comment on the um, best contributions bit, I guess. Um, yeah, it comes a bit back down to that gift of apostleship stuff and what we feel like God has called us to, like mm -hmm. planting churches in the Rhonda, seeing a, well, hopefully Hope Church Rhonda will become a church of many congregations where we've got a gospel-centered and spirit-filled church in every community in this valley that we love, you know. Um, that's the plan. That's what I dream about. That's what keeps me up at night. That's what gets me up in the morning. Like, that's what I'm more passionate about than anything else in the world. And if I also get to um, use what I've been learning about church planting in the Rhonda to help other people plant churches around Wales where the need is just as great, then I think I'll get to the end of my life a very happy and contented man because that mm. just feels like what I love and what God has for me and, and my sweet spot. And so, um, yeah, I live and breathe and just love all that stuff. Um, and so as part of that now, I get to uh, lead the, we have a, a hub for our network, which is called Advance. We have a hub in Wales now. Uh, with a handful of churches and some uh, church plants kicking off and stuff in different parts of Wales. Um, and I get to lead the team for for that, which is a great privilege and just provides me with a little bit of a wider opportunity to help uh, support church planters and see churches planted and that kind of thing. Um, and so as part of that, we, we got together last November, uh, myself and a few other key leaders, and just started talking about what it would look like to see more churches planted mm -hmm. in Wales in the next decade. Um, 
you know, there have been several church planting movements in Welsh church history that have had a very big impact over a generation. And um, whenever I read about them or I see maps of how churches were planted here, there and everywhere, mm-hmm. it, it makes me kind of, it makes my heart cry out, Lord, would you do it again? Yeah. And it also makes my head ask the question, what would it take for us to see something like this happen again? Yeah. And of course, part of the answer is just a move of the Holy Spirit. Mm. But we can't manufacture that, but we can Hopefully, I pray in God, build a pipeline of church planters and then pr- create pathways of ha- for training them mm-hmm. so that we can prepare people to be sent out to plant churches. And so it was really out of that that the church planting residency um, kind of was born. And we just kind of started to try and articulate, well, what, if, what do we think people need in order to be able to successfully plant a church with the kind of values that we would want to see and um, and then how can somebody get what they need to be prepared and off the back of that we've sort of developed this um, well one of the things we're doing is developing this church planting residency so the idea is that um, we'll find some church planters or church planting couples who um, want to commit to two years of training and we will send them to Union Bible College, which is a Bible college uh, about half an hour from here. And hopefully they will get a graduate diploma or a Mm -hmm. start on a part-time BA in theology and get some theological depth. Hopefully alongside that, then we'll be putting them through the Advanced Church Planters course, which we run in the UK. That's a two-year course, and which will give people some of the practical skills that they need for church planting. Um, And then we will add then to that also like a placement experience in a local church planting church where the um the candidate can be mentored for their own spiritual um formation because obviously mm-hmm. you, you need to have a, a deep spiritual life and walk with god for the adventures of church planting it's not just about what you can do whether yeah. you can preach a good sermon um so we want there to be mentoring we want there to be opportunity to develop gifts we want there to be then as part of all this um some assessment so that we know that whether people are prepared and whether they're developing and then hopefully then some some finance as well to enable people to both prepare to church plant in an intensive way or and then also to have finance available so they when they actually want to go and start something they haven't got to raise the finance themselves because what i see at the moment is um people that feel a sense of calling to church planting in, in Wales, often the preparation time is very long because it's not very intensive. And then also there's huge financial risk that comes with going to plant a church because often people are carrying the, the financial weight of doing that themselves and they're mm-hmm. trying to work out how do I work and also get this thing off the ground, yeah. which was what Lois and I did and God was really kind to us in it. But if we can relieve some of those pressures and take away some of those burdens, um, then hopefully we can see more people planting churches uh, with shorter preparation times, not not less kind of um, detailed in terms of preparation because we want people to be prepared, but doing mm-hmm. it in a more intensive way and yeah. then sending them out with all the support that they need to do it well. Yeah. So that's what we're dreaming about and hoping for. And we've got our first resident joining us here in the Ronda in a couple of weeks time very exciting and i'm super excited about the potential of it 
I'm also a little bit scared that I'm in above my depth or I'm out of my depth. And um, I just really pray that God would use our, our stepping out in faith in this to yeah. Yeah, see some churches planted in the future. Yeah. And, and we um, lovingly joke that he is mini you because yes. <laughs> the similarities in yeah. your lives are like eerie. Yeah. So John, John grew up uh, as, a, as a kid 300 yards from my house where I grew up as a child. Um, we went to the same high school. We both studied physics. He was mentored by my best mate, Owen. Um, and whilst in uni, he got this heart for church planting in the valleys and then one day showed up in our church. Yeah. And after about 10 minutes of having this conversation, I realized that God had brought John across our path and we were supposed to invest in him. And it's wild. Yeah, so that's, that's now going to happen yeah. by the grace of God, which is yeah. super exciting. Yeah. And I think we'll get the new interns, the new class of interns on yeah. the podcast at some point yeah. to ask more about like their yeah. stories, but I think it's cool. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for sharing all of that. You're welcome. Yes. We'll move on to some lighter topics. Yeah. Um, if you have anything that you'd like to share about Isaac and I adjusting <laughs> to whales, um, any like faux pas that we've made, feel free. Okay, I'll have a think. Okay. Um, while you do that, we'll do Lost in Translation. Oh, yes, so we're yeah. bringing it back because lockdown, we're still in like stages of lockdown here yeah. in Wales, but like you can get out and about, you can gather with people outdoors, that sort of thing. And we're yeah. back to in-person church, which we'll talk more about next week with Great. Lois. But so we've got some new material for Lost in Translation. Do you want to yes. go first, Isaac? Yeah. Um, Yes, a, a diary is called a planner. <laughs> <laughs> so those are like that's that's one of the things that um, I would say within loss and translations that you don't think about um, on the day to day uh, talk, you know, with people, and you wouldn't think about writing it down or like the other day I was with um, Eng and uh, Sean, Lauren, Hannah, and all their kids. And uh, we, we went and um, we ate supper or tea at, um, <laughs> at the park. And um, the kids were playing on a merry-go-round. And so I, I asked, like, is that what, do you guys call that a merry-go-round as well? And uh, they said, no, it's a, it's a roundabout. <laughs> and I just, I started laughing because I was, oh, that's interesting. But also the thing you drive around is a roundabout? Like they're both roundabouts? Well, they're both round. They are. And they ab aboot. <laughs> <laughs> We're not Canadian. <laughs> okay. Um, and yeah. like you mentioned one in passing, but I feel like we need to rewind and address the, uh, the dinner here is called Tea. Like, tea, yes. Now that is confusing. I you mean, also I'm not drink a tea, tea. I'm not a tea drinker, but why we would have tea and then tea, I don't know. Right. I drink one tea and Seven eat the other tea, tea doesn't really make <laughs> yes, sense to like me. Yes, like how do you know which tea yeah. you're talking about? I, still I know because I don't drink tea, so I'm only ever talking about tea to eat. Um, it's very but, strange. Yeah. And then lunch is dinner. Depending on where you're from. Exactly. Okay. So, some people here say dinner is so, supper. So, I grew up in the suburbs of Cardiff, middle more middle class. I would have had lunch and then dinner in the evening. Okay. But in the Ronda, people would have dinner at lunchtime and then maybe tea, but probably supper at night. Huh. Fascinating. Confusing. Very, no doubt. <laughs> very. Yeah. 
we all love food at all times. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, oh, it was, uh, so the kids were playing with uh, roly-poly-olies. And we're playing what with roly poly the, the bugs they are yeah okay they, we they would call just them. Call, i would have called that a roly poly i still don't know what you're talking about sorry. <laughs> exactly so it's a granny gray a granny like, gray like yeah granny i didn't gray. used to call them granny grays when i was a kid so, a woodlouse a woodlouse yeah a woodlouse. yeah a woodlouse but in hmm. the ronda they call them granny grays hmm. and oh. you call it a roly poly a roly-poly, and apparently Isaac calls it a roly-poly-oly. Yes. It takes it one step further. Yes, that's a... I, so that's, that's what a, you do when you, like, go to gym when you're little and you do a roly-poly. You know, like... And you turn yourself I, around. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going <laughs> to demonstrate because the floor is hard Still. and just being clean. You mean, like, clean, a forward like, roll? A forward roll, that's a roly-poly. Oh, no, we mm. just uh, call that a... Lost in translation, <laughs> translation indeed. I feel like I've had more lost in translations living with Simon and Lucy than I, in like a couple of weeks, than I did before ever. Like, it's every day there's something. Mm. Every single day. Like, today we had bacon sandwiches for lunch, but like the bacon is just ham. You've already so talked about this on the podcast. I? I was offended by what you said okay, about British so bacon, bacon, so we should just, move on quickly. Okay, it was ham. It was delicious. But so the other day, I um, you know, they have a son, Reuben, and Reuben's um, trousers were falling down, right? I won't say pants because we've already covered that. His trousers were falling down, and I said, Reuben, you're losing your britches. And Simon, <laughs> Simon looked at me like... That is not a like, that we would say, no. Like... Simon looked at me like I was nuts, and he's like, what did you just say? <laughs> and I said, britches. He's losing his britches. And he goes, and so we have this whole conversation, and I ended up looking online, and at, like, the origin of the word and where that came from, well, it came from breeches that you would wear when riding a horse. You're welcome. Breeches. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but we would say, we say that in the, the yeah. South. Do y'all say that? Yeah. Like, pick up your britches. Yes, down, right? but usually only in the context of, like, your britches are falling down or pick up your britches or like hike your britches up. Not in any other context, really. No. Never heard that before in my life. <laughs> Very lost in translation. Um, ben also quite enjoyed making fun of the way I say Solomon a couple weeks ago in family service. So Solomon, was... King Solomon. Solomon. Yeah, Solomon. <laughs> it's a good word for Southern draw, that, isn't it? Solomon. <laughs> yeah, that's been another thing, like how um, there's been comments made that I can add syllables to words, and that is a unique gifting of being from the South, I would say. Nice. Yeah. Go ahead and say Solomon for us, Isaac. Solomon. He says it like me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm singled out here. Sorry. Okay, Ben, you got anything you want to share? Um... You know, I realized very early on in my ministry career that humor is not my strong point. So I'm going to avoid the public telling of a story that's supposed to be, supposed to be funny and go for something a little bit more genuine and from the heart. Okay. And just to say that... I'm uncomfortable already. <laughs> no, don't be silly. I, uh, yeah, like I get to say something publicly on the public podcast and I might not get another invite, so I'm going to say it. That... <laughs> that you guys have just done exceptionally well and you've uh, just adapted to life in a different country incredibly well. And if there's anybody on this podcast that is listening and thinking about long-term mission or short-term mission or doing an internship somewhere or even just getting more involved in your 
local church that you're in, like it's hard for us to describe the the impact that you've had on our lives and how just uplifting it is to have some more people around and getting involved and getting stuck in and um yeah saying yes to getting stuff done and all of that stuff and i just think i want to say to you guys you've done it incredibly well isaac's now taken a photo of me which makes me quite uncomfortable oh it's um, video oh great you you've done it incredibly well and we're so blessed that you've been here and you were walking into a big unknown because we'd not done an internship before and you've smashed it out the park but then also like i said for anybody listening like you really can have a huge impact on a local church if you um commit to pouring your life into it and i want to encourage you to to do that like jesse and isaac have done for us thank you ben i think we shared this with simon when he was on but like i still firmly believe it that like the impact that y'all and this church have had on I'll speak for me. I won't speak for you, Isaac. Isaac's too busy taking photos. <laughs> I know, it's, it's distracting Which me. makes being sincere really difficult. I know, I know. This is going, well, I, I was thinking about, I need to, I need to do up on my um, promoting of the podcast. Okay. For yeah. the, so that people And he know. waited until yeah. your sincere moment to do it. <laughs> he was hoping for some, like, some tears and I don't, don't want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> No, but like I, I think the impact that y'all have had on, I know the impact y'all have had on me far outweighs any impact that I have had. So I'm especially grateful. Mutually especially beneficial. Grateful. Praise God yes. for the kingdom of God. Yeah. And we've still got a lot of time left. Yeah. Yeah. We've got one big term ahead of us. Yes. Yeah. A po- well, not a post-COVID world, no, but like a really. living with COVID world. Yeah. It's going to be strange, but good yeah. to be back and good to have you with us. Thanks for it's been taking wonderful. the time. Thank you so we much. had a board meeting this morning. Yeah. And, oh. and this was much more life-giving than that. <laughs> okay, good, good. <laughs> yeah, so thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming. We appreciate your time and all the effort you give us and put into us. So Yeah, we know that we're not uh, easy. <laughs> Don't be silly. <laughs> I, I, we must be on the outtakes by now. These bits are not going to get onto the actual You've podcast. Got, I you're, feel like you're that's the like... easiest two people. Uh, but as long as you don't go home again, yeah, and then you want to come back again, that would be one thing too much for my emotions. Or have a nervous breakdown and delay my flight for a whole entire week. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! Anyway. Fab. Is that right? Good. Yes. Great. Yay! Ta-da! Well done.